Welcome back to the Forthright Gaming Podcast, making gaming content for gamers by gamers. Please remember to like and subscribe uh, so you don't miss out on our shows. Uh, it's This is your host, Ian. Um, this week I'm here again with David, and we're going to be talking about the Dead Space series and what makes it such an iconic and cornerstone piece of gaming culture. Uh, now, there's three main cons- uh, console titles to this franchise, several spin-off titles and related media, including a prequel comic uh, and an animated film. Uh, Dead Space itself was nominated for multiple awards in things for like lighting, sound, camera direction, uh, direction game cinema. In both 2008 and 2009, uh, it, won, it was nominated and won a bunch of these awards. Um, this game strictly falls into definitely the horror uh, genre. It came out on PS3, uh, Xbox 360, and PC on October 13th, 2008. Uh, October 20th on PC, and I think there was a little bit of difference on dates uh, with Europe and Australia as well. But basically, the game came out October 2008 for everybody. Um, now, David, you're being the horror aficionado uh, that you are. What made you want to get this game when you heard of it? So I got into a little late into Dead Space 1's lifespan. Um, people were comparing it to Bioshock. Uh, and so when I saw the opening sequence of Dead Space, I was like, wow, this is very good. Uh, I was hooked on this horror house presentation taking place instead of a you know a haunted mansion. It took place on a spaceship, right? The Ishimura. And it really had... The presentation of its atmosphere was similar to things like Event Horizon, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, and Aliens, except instead of Xenomorphs and, you know, the badass Ripley, you have Necromorphs and the engineer Isaac. And you'd also see things, you know, like Hallucinary, just like uh, in the Event Horizon that the characters would have in that film. The Necromorph trans- transformations were very creepy and similar to the, the way they do it in The Thing, which really is a compliment in and of itself. But one thing I did want to add beyond Dead Space 1 through 3, um, uh, well, first of all, one thing that was nice is when Dead Space 1 came out, it came with Dead Space Downfall. That was the animated film. And this is probably one of maybe three at best animated horror films that are good. So if you're a fan of Dead Space at all, I highly recommend you check out the first film. Don't check out the second one. Downfall is probably where you're good at stopping. Um, But the Ishimura narrative and the Ishimura lore, I think, is very rich from a horror perspective. And that's why I really like Dead Space Extraction, which was a a light gun game that came out on the Wii and PS3 exclusively. um, Because the Xbox didn't have any light guns, right? So this actually took place before the events of Dead Space 1. And it's right when things are going downhill on the Ishimura. It's a great eight-hour campaign. You have eight chapters. You kind of shift between characters. And if you enjoy light games and Ishimura lore, I really can't recommend it enough, especially without spoiling too much. The thing that I thought was so good about that game is in the very first chapter, you're a guy right when they crack the planet and pull out the marker. And right when you pull out the marker... You think you're fighting necromorphs, and then at the end of the chapter, you get shot by a human, and you realize as you're dying, you were just shooting people the whole time. So there's a lot of things that the the Dead Space series does on all of these games that's very unique, and all the Dead Space games are really great examples of horror gaming, and that was more than enough to pull me into it. Yeah, and um, we'll get we'll explain to you guys what Marker is and all that stuff if you haven't played the uh, Dead Space uh, series. We'll talk about the story here in a little bit. But like that was one of the main elements on this game that stuck out, right? Is it definitely was like a haunted house, but you're you're in space, which is exactly what was the lure to the movie Alien, right? A haunted house, but you you can't leave the house because you're in space, all right? Uh, and it's full of monsters that want to kill you. The other thing was that 
You're not this badass trained soldier marine ready to go and kick ass, right? You're an engineer. You fix machines. That's what you do. And they did a very good job of pushing that concept through and making it be like making your weapons be clearly clearly things that you would use in your job that just happen to have a deadly side effect. Much like how if you're a construction worker or a carpenter and you have a nail gun, yes, it's a tool for what you're working. But if you shoot a nail at somebody, it's also now a deadly weapon. It's very much that the main character has an energy uh uh, beam cutter that he uses for his work, but it also happens to cut off limbs very well too if you shoot it at, at people. Um, <clears throat> which brings you into some other new dyna- dynamics of it. Now, for me, like the big thing was with this game, um, and for most games I buy, I, I can get sold on a game just by a game trailer. I think the trailer I saw for this one was the Twinkle Twinkle Little Star trailer, which had a little, little, little creepy girl singing oh, yeah. Twinkle Twinkle Little Star really slowly as it flashed images of this horrific of these horrific murders and things happening on the spaceship that you end up going to um the big kicker here though is that prior to dead space the horror genre in video games was limited to like maybe supernatural ghost uh maybe an alien invasion or mainly zombies with the resident evil series resident evil was like here is video game horror um this came up before you had amnesia before you had um Outlast or any of these other games that have touched on just about every aspect of horror. Um, this game did not only just deliver on, hey, here's a creepy monster, but here's some psychological horror, like you said in uh, the extraction game, where like, hey, you're actually killing people the whole time when you thought you're killing monsters because your guy's <laughs> gone crazy. And this game touches a lot on the psychological aspects of it, as well as like some jump scares, at, but mainly on the atmosphere of what horror is. And gave it to us without giving us a slow, uh, shambling zombie like Resident Evil did. Um, so, we'll start here with the first game, Dead Space 1. Now, as I said, this game came out uh, for the uh, 360 and PS3. Now, the basic story of the universe that it sets up is that most sci-fi, uh, game, sci-fi games or sci-fi movies where you're in a universe where... Uh, obviously fossil fuels and minerals are things that humanity needs and we've gone from just you know doing they've taken the concept of strip mining and taken it to a new level where they call it now planet cracking where basically they take a giant spaceship have people on the ground set up uh, enough uh, deep explosives and whatnot and they basically pop out a big chunk over the planet to carry it off to a mining facility to break it down for its minerals right so the story uh, basically starts for the Dead Space 1 game is that, hey, this planet cracker ship called the Ichimura uh, was doing its job and then it went completely dark and nobody knows what's going on there. You play as Isaac, who's part of a repair crew who's being sent out there to fix it. It just so happens that your girlfriend was on that ship as well. Uh, and the game literally starts off with you watching her, watching a video message she sent you saying, hey, she loves you. And that, hey, she can't wait to see you and all this stuff. And you think it's just like a normal message. But what's really crazy is as the game plays out, you actually see what the whole message was. And it makes it even crazier. Uh, and definitely plays on the psychological aspect of it. Um, so, the story is you go, you end up there. Uh, you end up finding out that kind of the subplot of this universe is that there's this religion kind of going on. That is kind of like what I would put in comparison to what we would know would be like Scientology, right? 
a religion where they believe aliens came to Earth and did something and that we need to transcend to their level or whatnot. Um, but what they focus on is this thing called a marker, which is basically a statue um, that uh, emanates a signal or something that basically starts creating these necromorphs, which is basically transforming human bodies into these monstrous things with sharp talons and arms that just tear and rip people apart, right? <clears throat> but it's also playing a psychological game to people that does get explained throughout the games, but I think definitely the anime and some of the other stuff, uh, other media with this game probably hits on the, those points a lot harder than the games do. But the first game definitely ties it all together very well, where the later games got a little bit more into action, a little bit more into the EA machine of here's a sequel, we need more action, we want to get people what they what the fun part of the game is and not all the suspense building up to it. Missing the point, as always, as EA does. Um, now, I will say, like I, just, I mentioned, this game did win a ton of cinematic awards and whatnot, uh, from like uh, the the uh, GDC awards, Dice awards, and all that. And it's not because it had a bunch of pre-rendered uh, in-game cutscenes or, or pre-rendered cutscenes. All the cutscenes and the way the story is told was all in-game. This was uh, one of the other revolutionary things and influential things that this game did, which was you had a HUDless game. Uh, all your HUD elements, your health bar, your energy bar. Um, and ammo and everything were presented in such a way that your character sees them as well in a way that made sense. Uh, I think the big thing that they always bragged about was, hey, the health bar is on the spine of the character. So on his back, it, glow it uh, glows like kind of greenish blue, and then that uh, bar actually ends up going down and changing color as you're getting damaged to let notify you, hey, heal up. As well as on your back was an indicator for your um, stasis energy. And all your ammo popped up on a holographic HUD on top of your gun so your character could see, hey, I have six shots left or five shots left. Yeah, one thing I would add, too, is when you actually would, when someone would die, including your your own player as Isaac, right, you would hear, like, this um, this flatline sort of sound that's kind of eerie. So when you'd enter a room and then you hear flatline, 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 it's really good at building tension just off of sound. Like, your imagination's already going with it. And that's, I think, part of the credit of, of you know, visceral when they made this game they did a really good job of choosing the way things sounded and the way things looked and the way they all worked together it was really good and that's also a kind of a credit to the uh hardware they're working with right? like so the xbox original xbox uh one and 360 are the, the original one had a huge focus on uh sound design that's one reason why the box is so big and they brought a lot of that over to the 360 as well um but the visceral what they Excuse me, what they actually end up doing to get uh, get some of the uh, sound effects and the environmental sounds, but some of it is actually audio from the BART train system in San Francisco. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, in one of their documentaries, they talk about how, like, hey, we're working on sound effects, and, like, in this game, there's a tram system that moves around. That A lot of those sound effects are from the BART system because of the screeching and loud noises the BART train makes in the tunnels. Like, oh, wow, let's record all that. And they threw that stuff into the game. Um there's also a lot of complicated uh, animated sequences in this game that they had to literally go back to the drawing board and figure out how to do. And one of them in particular is a uh, scene where a tentacle comes and grabs your character's leg and drags you through a hallway. That sequence originally kept breaking and they couldn't figure out how to do it. And they ended up having to break it down by piece by piece by piece 
and animating everything separately so that they could get it to work. There's a really good uh, explanation on it on War Stories for Gaming, which you can find on YouTube, where they talk, the creators talk about specifically that sequence and some of the other things that they ran into as far as trying to make Dead Space come, come to life. But that's the thing, right? Before Dead Space, our main games that we had was Resident Evil, and Resident Evil 4 was the latest one, which was a little bit more action-focused, but still kept a lot of the story stuff. So here, having like monsters like John Carpenter's Thing uh, show up, having the eerie atmosphere of what they tell you is, hey, here's a uh, ship that gets manned by at least a thousand people, and when you show up, there's nobody there. And not to mention, when you show up, your ship is trashed and ends up in the first chapter getting destroyed, and now you're stuck on the sh on the Ishimura, uh, having to basically repair the ship, survive, and then find a way to get out of there, and also find out where the hell everyone else is. So it adds lots of layers of mystery and suspense and eeriness, and like you think, like yeah, you're walking around in a haunted house, and like the power goes out here or goes out there. They're for un unknown reasons, right? And every ties it to supernatural things, like oh, the ghost is doing something, the power went out, or it's dark in this hallway. Where here it all makes sense, right? The ship is down, <clears throat> things are broken, you have to fix it. Yes, the powers are going to flicker, the lights are going to flicker. Uh, but what they added also into the sound design there was that I noticed the, I was replaying the first chapter the other day. Uh, there's whispering that happens in the, just the audio, and that you really don't pick up uh, consciously listening to like on a regular sound system. I was playing on headphones. It's like, oh shit, there was somebody whispering right behind me nonsense just to add the creep factor for this area that I know is completely safe. Uh, it really worked well on building that atmosphere and making everything that you do in the game make sense and not just be there for gameplay reasons. Um, now, David, like, you're also someone who studied game design and animation. What did you think of the innovations that this game brought to the uh, industry? Uh, so thankfully, I actually did have some experience with Unreal Tournament 2004 and Unreal 3. This game was actually made in Unreal 3, and on Xbox 360, there were a few major game productions that really took advantage of Unreal Engine 3 and impressed the audience. And that's those games were Bioshock, Gears of War, Mass Effect, and of course, Dead Space. Now, Dead Space in particular had some great innovations. You had effective lighting, right? You had minimal but effective lighting that was really creepy. You had these great transitions between indoor and outdoor environments. Um, dismembered necromorphs would remain in the environment, which is really difficult when you actually think about it. A lot of games, they'll often have the enemies fade out because they want to get that 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 RAM and that, that CPU speed back from having these characters that just kind of sit there. And it has to remember where they were, mind you. And, and in this game, you can step on them over and over again and break them apart. So that kind of added more to the, you know, to the layers of it, right? You had dismemberment instead of headshots, which was unique because you'd have to hit at least like two limbs, if you will, to really stop an, an enemy. Amazing voice acting, which worked well with the animations, mind you. Um, and like you said, all in-game. So we're not getting a cutscene here. This is all in-game. And you mentioned, you know, that, that difficult sequence. They really did a good job of animating interaction between two characters. One of the things that's hard technically is, I don't want to get too much into the animation aspect, but when things can kind of flow independently, but then when things have to interact, you kind of have to flip a switch and decide how you're going to animate. And that's a very difficult thing, especially with the, the shot you're talking about where, the, you know, you're being pulled through. So they actually did a really good job of being consistent with this on a production value. And the animation really adds the experience of, of Dead Space. 
when Isaac is taking damage, you know, he stumbles and then he'll stagger more when he's at a lower health value and kind of grab himself. So you can tell visually he's more hurt. You don't have to just rely on the, the back of his spine with the yellow bar, or red bar at the bottom, right? Because he's at the lower end of his health. And one thing in particular that I, I feel like is, is very important that they did well in this game is you would transition from 1G gravity to 0G gravity. A lot of games had done this before, and I failed to recall them offhand, but I guess like Descent is kind of like the closest thing I could think of, right? Back in the PC days, it was very, you, you, you kind of get vertigo just playing that, right? You couldn't really tell what's up, what's down, what's left, what's right. But in Dead Space, you're working in these confined spaces, and when you transition from, from each surface of this room, you're not lost. You kind of get confused maybe for a moment, but you're still good and you're fighting at the same time, right? You're, you're taking on necromorphs in this. And so all of these things technically, I think, are what make Dead Space so amazing because when you play the game, your suspension of disbelief is 100%. You're not sitting there thinking about, oh, how do I do this, right? You're, you're kind of just playing the game, experiencing it, ex thinking about what's going on in the story and whatnot. And I think that's just a testament of how good the production value was from the animation, the modeling, uh, the voice acting, the game design, right? Everything kind of flows. It's more, you know, we can go into Dead Space 2 and 3, but Dead Space 1 was more exploration focused um, than the other two titles. So I think technically it's it's amazing, even to this day. Yeah, and I agree with you there because like, the and that fits the story because in the story is like, you're an engineer sent out to fix a ship, a ship that you've never been on, but you might have may have studied the schematics or the layout at one point prior, but you don't know it completely. So you are exploring and working your way and following the signs to the different areas you need to go and fix. It's also interesting that you mentioned that, hey, yeah, they left the enemies where they were and had a memory. And like for those of you that don't know a lot about game design, um, and it's not something that I think happens a lot more so now, but what they used to do back in the day was the only thing that would ever be rendered would be what you would see. And, I've, and as you left that render would disappear into nothingness and it'd basically be, if you could see it from like a third perspective, third person perspective, be here's a character and there's, here's their eyeline that just constantly generates what you're seeing in the game. That way they could keep memory down, like you said, and keep things going up. But when you build a, a, a world and you keep it all there at once and you keep uh, the bodies where they're supposed to be, it does add to the immersiveness to it. And they also capitalized on that by adding more jump scares to where if you <laughs> took out an uh, enemy, like, hey, you took off two of its limbs, it went down, all right, cool, you left it, and then you went about your business. When you came back across it, it could stand up again and then come and start coming at you um, unless you took off all its limbs or if you made sure you went back and stomp it. So, like, if you watch gameplay videos of this, you'll notice, like, a person who's never played the game is just killing things with their gun and they're usually probably doing it the hard way and not and not just rotating it. You like you'll veteran players will watch a game and like you'll see them get aggravated about how somebody's not doing it right. <laughs> but you'll see them they'll play and they'll walk through it. And when you watch a veteran person play it, you'll see notice that they stomp on everything, they break everything because they know this will prevent these things from being a problem later on. Um, that's good game design and good way to think of good way of playing on people's expectations, such as in Resident Evil where. Most usually when you kill a zombie or shot its head off, it's done. It's dead. And there's actually an animation in Resident Evil that you'll see people take advantage of, which is if a zombie goes down the ground, they'll stab it with a knife. And when a pool of blood shows up, they know that it's never going to get back up again. Where unless you shot off all the limbs or you smash the body, that wasn't the case in Dead Space. Like, it could come back up. And they also had various variants. It wasn't just 
when I think of Resident Evil, you have your zombies, you have the liquor, you have the tyrant, you have the nemesis. You have a few special type of zombies out there, or special infected out there, but you basically had zombies. Where this game, you basically have necromorphs, which are basically humanoid, but with like two like mantis arms coming out their back that stab at people, and they flail around their human body parts as they're running around. But there's the normal ones, there's the fast ones. Uh, because this is a, sp- a giant spaceship that has a thousand people on there, of course there's a nurse, there's a infirmary and a nursery for people who are having babies, right? So now there's little creepy ba- zombie-looking baby things with things growing out their back shooting at you. There's a scorpion version of these things running around. There's these fat guys who spit out um, little uh, insect-grabbing things that, that crawl over your body, and, and Isaac has to shake them off before they kill them, uh, to where there's even one specific necromorph that is indestructible where no matter how many times you kill it it just regenerates and will always uh kind of kind of chase you around like mr x in resident evil 2 but mr x in resident evil 2 is like invincible this thing you can at least take it down by yourself some time but it will eventually come back until you get to a certain story uh beat Um, yeah and one thing i want to add too is you mentioned the babies it's interesting that there is also lore to explain all of these creatures. Like, you're on the Ishimura. There's clearly no children on this facility, right? You know, which is different from Dead Space 2 because you do touch on that to some extent. But in Dead Space 1, why are there babies on here? Well, that's because in the Ishimura, you can't get new body parts. The only way you're going to get new body parts is by farming people. And that was kind of one of their ways on the Ishimura of why they kind of have this. And I, I, I want to say even with the the necromorphs that have the little things that pop out if you shoot them in the belly, I want to say those were also pregnant women, but I'm not even sure. Um, yeah, I don't have to look at the lore for sure because like they're so grotesque and changed at that point you can't really tell. The babies you can totally tell. Okay, this is thing crawls like a baby, but then it shoots like three tentacle arms out of its back and shoots missiles at you. Um, so yeah, they definitely. Did a lot of did a lot of great work in the in the creature design here, and it is very reminiscent of what you mentioned of which was like, uh, the thing and even and the psychological element of this game is definitely on par with Event Horizon, which even the creators of the game say they pulled a lot of inspiration from Event Horizon on this. Um, now the funny thing is like this here is another game where like, the story that gets even more unraveled here is that hey this religious group that believes in this marker thing is basically a mainstream mainstream religion that is kind of like left to do its own thing. It's it's, and I would say by the second game, you kind of realize that it's almost as big as like how Christianity is, but it's not to the point it's imagine, imagine it's like Christianity, but Christianity didn't have the crucifixion or anything to fall back on. They just had a story of something like that happening. Um, so like, here's this big religion. They don't really have any proof of their religion, but they, everybody just believes in it. So everybody's like, well, they're not hurting anybody. Believe in it. Well, not. And then this icon shows up. That's a part of their religion. And now it's like, oh no, we all need to transcend into these monsters and let, and let them go and kill everybody because that's our transcendence. And it's funny that here's another game that's very influential chain, did a lot of game changing things that's based on a story of, uh, the misinterpretation of science and religion, like Halo, is the same thing, right? The Covenant misinterpreted uh, the science and turned that into their religion, and then you find yourself trying to fight a group of people. Is like, no, if you understand what's really going on, you wouldn't be doing this. Yeah, and one thing that I think is worth adding is, in the Dead Space universe, Isaac is kind of like a prophet to them, right? Because you know, I'll be honest, we're gonna have to go into some spoilers here because we're gonna talk about the sequels, which kind of frames some stuff from the first game. But 
the Unitologists, which are the, the group behind this religion, Isaac helped build the markers. So to them, he's almost like a prophet to them because it's like, well, you can't kill Isaac. He's, he's helped us, right? He doesn't have a memory of working on these markers, but he helped build it. And that's kind of the whole point of the first game is he's there to help his, his girlfriend, Nicole. He sees her a few times. She even helps him. And when, when he finally gets out, you know, the unitologist lady tells him at the end, you know, did you ever watch the end of that video? We should watch the end. Here, I'll show it to you. And then she shows him the end of the video where she, you know, she does, like you said, she does the goodbye. And then she, you know, takes some sort of injection to kind of end her life right then and there. And, you know, Isaac has to suddenly, after going through all this and seeing her for the game, like, I want to say they kind of show her in the last third of the game. Yeah, like she shows up to, to like help together. him out. Like there's some sequences in dead space where he's where he sees nicole his girlfriend and she's like hey you need to do you need to hit this in order to get this thing back working i'll do it on my side or something uh so you you have that concept like okay she's alive we're working together trying to get to her but you never seem to ever ever be able to get to her and that's because as you kind of just mentioned the twist at the end that basically she's dead this entire time and you have actually been kind of going a little bit crazy while having to handle all this and that's kind of like what I really liked about Dead Space 2, where Dead Space 1 is this really good universe-building story that's like, all right, here's this universe. It's easy to understand. Here's this problem that's happening. Here's the characters at play. And everything's unfolding the way you would expect it to unfold. And people are reacting the way they would react because beginning of Dead Space 1, as soon as shit hits the fan, they're like, no, we need to get the fuck out of here, dude. We shouldn't stay here. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, your, your one getaway ship... Uh, falls away and, and basically is out of commission. Uh, so now you're stuck on how to find a way out off Ishimura with whatever Ishimura has at its disposal. Whereas like action games, we were like, Oh, all right, well we're stuck here. Like, Fuck this. Let's go kill all the aliens. It's like, no, they know they're outnumbered. They know they're not prepared for this <laughs> and they want the hell out. Now dead space two, uh, when that came out, all right, dead space one doesn't necessarily end necessarily on a cliffhanger. It ends with you seeing, uh, Isaac stopping uh, the, I wouldn't want to really call it infection, but stopping this outbreak of, of these necromorphs beings and these monsters coming up from this planet uh, at the end of that first game. And the second game starts right smack with, hey, he's in an insane asylum. He's in a straitjacket and he's getting a therapy session because what he saw and did in the first game literally broke his mind. Like realizing that he was hallucinating about his girlfriend, that she actually was dead already that um, all this stuff was happening. They literally locked him up in a sane asylum. And this is where it comes to where you're talking about he helped him make, make the markers, right? Because of his experience, he had ingrained in his head how to make this artifact that was basically lost on the Ishimura that creates the Necromorse and create, starts the transcendence that the Utologist would believe in, right? Don't forget, so, um, part of the reason why he didn't remember the end of that video, too, was when he they they kind of alluded to this, but they don't show it to you. But at the end of Dead Space One, because he built the marker, the marker had already infected his mind, which is why in Dead Space One he's already having these hallucinations from the get go, and that's why at the end of the first game he has to come to the realization of he doesn't know now what is or isn't real. Now in Dead Space Two, you know I, I don't want to cut you off too much, but I think what's interesting is the reason why he's in the insane asylum is they're trying to prevent that part of his infected mind from spreading to the rest of his mind so that his whole mind doesn't get lost. And that's the which thing is that, like yeah. I said, they don't tell you that. So you just wake up as, all right, I'm Isaac. 
I'm in the Sassana hospital. Side. They're asking me about what happened on the Shmira as if they don't believe me, what I what, believe my story. <laughs> and in that game, basically, I think the goal they did there is like, okay, cool. Dead Space 1 was a great horror game. It redefined horror for video games. Let's take that and turn it up to 11. And literally, you can watch reaction videos of people watching the intro of the game. It's hilarious when they don't expect it because it literally is hey, you're in a straight jacket. A guy grabs you, has a flashlight in your eye. You're, he's like an inch from your face. And you see him transform into a necromorph, <laughs> yelling and screaming in your face. And your hands are tied. And like the first section of that game is your hands are bound and there's monsters everywhere. You need to get the hell out as you're stumbling across uh, this kind of hospital <clears throat> only to find yourself that, okay, you're now on a space station. I think that's uh, orbiting Saturn. Uh, and there's been this, this basically this outbreak. And this is where they go more into like, hey, the religion of the Utologist. You actually see how big it is because you actually go into a cathedral uh, through there, um, <clears throat> and you end up finding out more about the plan of spreading these markers and what they're going after. Now, I'd say like this, the story of the second game is decent and whatnot, but the the hallmark of this franchise is really the first game because. By the time we're done with the second game, and you learn more about the religious factions and whatnot, and we get to the third game. The third game has just gone. All right, what do people like about horror games? They like the power, the feeling of empowerment, which is by the end of end of these games, you have the right weapons, you have the power, and you're not afraid of the monsters anymore. You've overcome that, and you're going to kill them all and win the day. Right? <laughs> uh, that's literally what the, what the Resident Evil formula is, right? They start you off with very weak weapons, and then by the end of it, you have a rocket launcher or super powerful shotgun, right? So you feel empowered to go out and and fight the evil. Uh, so I would think with EA probably told them, like, hey, people like the action part. Let's do more action. So Dead Space 3, I would say the story is kind of meh in that whole thing anyway, to the point where it's like you're there to kill kill monsters. So they basically set you up to kill monsters. Um, so I definitely say Dead Space 1 is the one you want to play. Dead Space 2 gives you more information about the universe and definitely kicks up the horror and the tension. The big things, like I already mentioned, was the opening of that game is crazy. There's uh, another sequence in that game that's really high tension called the called the eye poke scene. And if you play it, I'll let you just play through that. That is intense. It's a hard sequence to get through. Or you can just watch other people play it on YouTube. It is honestly hilarious to watch people play that and uh the stress that that one scene causes everybody <laughs> um it's a hard thing to make somebody play interactive art and get an emotion out of them and dead space does just that it gets a reaction out of everybody who plays it not just like oh cool that's a, that's that's a cheap a jump scare like the scares here aren't aren't cheap they're actually genuine and because they fill you with the suspense of the environment um, now the other thing I kind of want to talk about a little bit here was that not just with uh, the story, but as we kind of talked about on the different like lighting and voice acting and everything, uh, the importance of that like HUDless game, right? Because it's not just your health meters or your uh, energy meters or your inventory. They built everything to be a system that your character is also interacting with to even when it's giving you help, like, hey, which way do I need to go? All right, you'll put down a light, a light beam that'll show you which way to go. It's not like the, like division where it's this floating yellow line that's hanging in the air, right? It comes 
off his hand and he, it follows a trail based off the map it has. It brings the immersion in so much more. And the sad thing is that a lot of games don't attack that uh, the same way anymore. Where like, I think Ghostbusters is probably the only other game that's gone completely HUD-less. We're putting all the information on the character itself as far as what weapons you're using and all that. Um, other games have attacked in different ways. Where like we talked about um, an old game called Breakdown that's on the original Xbox. That's a game where you play probably two-thirds of the game with a HUD. And then at the last third, you realize what you were playing was a simulation and they take the HUD away from you without even telling you. You just notice, oh, I don't have a health bar anymore. I don't have an energy bar anymore. This, the screen is completely clear and because you're supposed to be in the real world. Um, Division tries to uh, – doesn't really explain it to you, but they kind of show you that, hey, they have contact lenses that are tied to their watches that, that give them the AR. But it doesn't explain like – the third person view in that aspect either though right so some games are trying to touch on that but i think the example to follow is dead space like they really thought out how to keep all the game elements out of it so you were just completely immersed and it's very few games nowadays that get you that immersed into their universe yeah and i know the next title we're going to go into is dead space 3 but one thing that's definitely worth mentioning is they really tried to cram in as much as they could in this game right originally the first dead space was supposed to be co-op at the end they were they were considering that in development but the story just didn't work out for them to put it in dead space 2 was already being discussed as a co-op game between isaac and ellie who's you know the lady that's with him right in the second game Mm -hmm. right but it was abandoned for the competitive multiplayer, which we've talked about a little bit. And in many ways, I feel like the competitive multiplayer really isn't worth going back to personally. But, I mean, if you're a fan and you just kind of want to have that necromorph human combat, sure, go for it, right? I would kind of compare it to more of a, a Splinter Cell Pandora tomorrow than, let's say, a Left 4 Dead. Um, but then this time around, you know, they obviously thought of co-op from the start, you know. You know. Yeah, and it's good that you mentioned the, the multiplayer from... Dead Space 2, because that was the other big aspect was, was the multiplayer, which went back to exactly, you said, kind of an asymmetrical multiplayer where the two teams weren't just trying to kill each other. They One team had an objective, the other team had to stop them. Uh, now, Splinter Cell probably pulled that off the best the first way, the first time, and then we've kind of improved on it nowadays with like Dead by Daylight and whatnot. Um, the multiplayer here ended up being very chaotic because the Necromorphs are very fragile. So you just constantly die over and over again. But you got that good satisfaction whenever you got a good kill on an engineer because they ripped their bodies apart, basically. <laughs> so, like, the death animations were very well done in all these games. Um, but the main meat of it was the, story, was the story. And the kind of funny thing here is if you look at this entire franchise, you go through a different... You'll see the different eras of EA, right? So Dead Space 1 came out when EA was pushing for, we need new IPs, need new IPs. By the time Dead Space 3 came out, everybody is done trying to come up with new IPs. They just want a successful sequel, successful sequel, successful sequel. That's why I say, like, Dead Space 1 sets up a really good story for what it's encapsulated in. Dead Space 2 expands on that universe. Dead Space 3, I feel like, doesn't do much for a story, and it's just more action and and shooting monster stuff. And giving you the option of having co-op all the way through the game. Which, that's the fun part of, of playing it, is with somebody else. Because to try and still keep a little bit of element of that psychological horror in the story, is that when you do play as co-op, 
each character that's playing the game has different hallucinations and experiences different things that the other player can't see. So there'll be times where I'll stop dead in my tracks because I'm looking at something happening and David will be off doing something else. Like, Hey, what happened to you? He's like, Oh, you didn't see that? Like this shit started going, started <laughs> happening. It, you don't experience because Isaac's not the character I'm playing or Isaac is experiencing something that only Isaac's going to experience and not this other character that's with him. Uh, which kind of added a good element of that, making it fun to play with other people. Uh, but ultimately the story kind of just again falls on a hit on a cliffhanger and not like a very good happy ending type of thing. So it's kind of like you see more monsters and more creative design and you take in more of the gameplay action aspect of it in three, than you worry about the environment and the thrilling and suspense part of it. Yeah. I would, say a good comparison is resident evil 5 right it wasn't as horror more action same thing kind of applies here more action less horror um carver definitely seems to hallucinate more than isaac um there's many sequences where you do have to fight waves of enemies and the other person's just like what are you doing you're just standing there and if you don't get through that wave this imaginary wave it's game over and then you have to go back again um which it's always fun to kind of explain to your buddy. I had to explain it to our, our good friend Chris when it happened to me. I eventually just had to use Xbox Game DVR to kind of show him, look, this is what's killing me every time. Because he's like, what are you doing? Why Why are this? Ha- why is this happening to us? <laughs> it's it's really funny just having that experience. I don't I actually can't think of any other game off the top of my head that, that really does that to both players. Um, it's it's uh, really entertaining when you actually have to play it. So if you have a way to play it, I highly recommend it. Um, it is a 360 title, so you do need gold to play it. Um, and you can also get it off of Steam and Origins, but either way on PC, you do need an Origins account. Um, so bear in mind, there are some difficulties with the Origins side if you do want to do the co-op on Dead Space 3. If you have an Xbox, though, it's backwards compatible. It's part of Game Pass now with the how EA plays tied into that. So you can now play it on Xbox and have a very easy way of connecting with another player. What you'll notice is like a lot of these games uh, and even games today when they're making sequels to them that they stop thinking about story and about what made the franchise great and they start thinking about what's the new hitch thing everybody likes. People like crafting. Let's put crafting into it. So Dead Space 3 has a crafting element which is okay but it's like honestly when I got when I got to the point where I was able to build the weapon I wanted I didn't need to craft anything else again. It's like cool. <laughs> I got the ultimate weapon that I need to it can take anything down. I got like one. I have a, a, a weapon for close up, a weapon for range. It's all I need, and and I walk the rest of the game destroying everything, and you end up with stockpiles of crafting material that you never need. Um, but those are elements that they try to put in there because oh, people like crafting, people like switching out components on guns and stuff like that. So let's give them that ability. Whereas if it was just like the first one, where it's like, hey, you found this gun. Hey, you found this tool. You found this. Like that works better for me than having to build stuff like. I know a lot of people nowadays, they love survival games. They love crafting systems. And it's like the less spreadsheets I have to deal with, the less (laughs) inventory I have to manage, the better. Because in real life, you're not sitting there going through your backpack, organizing all your shit every 20 minutes because you just keep picking up garbage everywhere you go. You're trying to to progress a story or or a motivation. It really did feel like it was there to slow the gameplay. Because even when in co-op, you're like, all right, hold on, let me let me go on the workbench. And then, okay, let me go on the workbench. And you're like, all right, hold on, I'll just chill. You know, it doesn't, it's, 
the, uh, the musical term I use this often when I talk about games, but staccato, right? You, you're familiar with music, and yeah. staccato is kind of like you you hit the note and then there's silence. You hit the note and there's silence. It's like bap 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 bap. That doesn't really work in video games. It doesn't work to just go and then stop, go and then stop. And I think that's part of some of the issues I even had with Dead Space Three is it didn't help me to kind of be on this roll. And then I'm like, oh wait, you know, because. One thing that's worth mentioning in Dead Space 3 is you have to level up your guns. You have to level up your armor because I've read online. I, we didn't have this problem, but I read online. A lot of players were complaining about how they got to the end of the game and they couldn't beat it. And it was because they didn't level anything up. You didn't really have to worry about that stuff as much in Dead Space 1 and 2. But in Dead Space 3, you definitely have to level stuff up. Otherwise, you're going to have a miserable end to the game. And that's the thing is that with these games, like... And that's one reason why a lot of our podcasts have been about older titles, right? Because these older titles have influenced where we are today. And understanding that shows you the different mentality of the game industry. Back in the day, there was a point where EA was all about making new IPs and trying things new. Nowadays, we're in the sequelitis issues that the movie industry is in where everybody's afraid of coming up with a new idea. Because if it fails, it fails. And you lose money. Uh, where And you can't... You can't recoup that by making another shitty sequel to a shitty game, right? Nobody's going to buy the, the, the sequel. Nobody's buying Anthem 2 because <laughs> Anthem 1 was shit, right? Um, so game design was done a lot different, and that's why I like talking about this. It's like one of the things that I, um, that we haven't talked about yet, but in Dead, across all the Dead Space games, and this started with the first one, is that there's a hard mode, right? Well, the hard mode didn't just amp up... Uh, the durability of the enemies and less than the ammo you found, it reduced your saves. If to beat the game on hard, you only get to save the game three times. <laughs> now I don't I don't know if they did I don't think it did in Dead Space One, but Dead Space Two they rewarded you for this. If you beat the game on the hardest difficulty, they gave you basically a joke weapon, a big foam finger that <laughs> is the most powerful weapon in the game, and Isaac basically goes pew pew as he play as he shoots it and it destroys everything <laughs> but you had to beat the game with only saving it 3 times for an entire game so you actually had to plan out your game session of what chapters you're going to save at when you're going to save because if you blew those three saves too early are right, you got to play the game for like another 8 hours and beat it otherwise you're screwed <laughs> um those are things that they put in games back in the day as hard challenges for people to complete nowadays it's just okay here's the horde mode or here's this uh, or play it for this many hours, or hit this level in a battle pass. They're not being innovative with how they're trying to challenge the player, or making it very fun, in my opinion. Now, as you said, basically, Dead Space One—that's where you want to go for the pure essence of what the what this genre, what horror genre it was about back then. Dead Space Two gives you the background. Dead Space Three—you play for the co-op, right? You want your you and your friends want to play a game together, in a survival horror type world where. Less survival, more kick-ass uh, stuff. Then <laughs> Dead Space Three is definitely that for you. Now, as for their future, Visceral Games was shut down by EA years ago, so Visceral is not going to be making another game anytime soon, which is unfortunate because a lot of, back, a lot of these great studios that made these really good games get shut down before they can make their next one just because of development time and cost nowadays. But um, one of the creators of Dead Space uh, went on to make uh, Striking Distance Studios. Uh, Glenn uh, Schofield uh, and they're making a new game called The Callisto Project 
Now, we haven't seen much of it. We've, always, we've just seen one cinematic trailer, and everybody's thinking that this is going to be like a, a spiritual successor to Dead Space. Um, I honestly don't think necessarily that, just because I don't think they're going to continue anything with the story of, of the Unitologist and that universe. I think they just have a cool, probably the cool creature design that you would see in Dead Space. But it'll be interesting to see, can this be successful? Because I think one of the main reasons why Dead Space was successful was more so because that game came out and was very unique compared to its competition. In today's world, we have uh, games that already have uh, mutated human beings, uh, monsters, viruses, every type of horror aspect you can think of. The horror genre has now finally filled out in video games for that. So... Yes, this game may be gory, but there's also another game on the horizon that's extremely gory as well that people are looking at. So it's going to come down to not just the not just the aesthetics, but probably the stories. And I think that's what we're heading to now towards in this industry is that they're realizing gameplay mechanics and aesthetics are one thing, but if the story is boring or is not good, nobody's going to want to play it because nobody's going to feel motivated enough to go through it. Uh, whereas this franchise from the get-go understood story and understood how to and thought really hard about how to implement gameplay aspects into storytelling versus cramming storytelling into gameplay. <laughs> so Yeah, and, and if you're interested in, in seeing where Glenn Schofield's gonna take his idea, go ahead and look up the Callisto tra uh, Callisto Project trailer or I'm sorry, Callisto Protocol. Protocol um, okay. It looks it looks pretty interesting. I'm not a hundred percent sure like you said it's just a cinematic trailer we haven't seen gameplay so we don't even know what you're going to do in it but i am hopeful that he is going to achieve some good execution in this game and we'll get some more excellent action horror sci-fi to kind of come from this but i mean it releases next year in 2022 with the way games go it could easily get delayed um i want to say tentative release was middle of next year 2022 but i could see it getting pushed back for you know, final polishing, which I'm totally fine with. I, I like games to come out and be good off the disc. I don't like a four gigabyte title update the moment I pop in my disc and I just want to play. Um, but, you know, we'll see. You know, uh, Callisto Protocol, check out that trailer. If you like Dead Space, you've played all the Dead Space games and, and give it a look. And uh, like I said, with the light gun games, if you've played Dead Space 1 through 3 and you just kind of want to fill out more of that lore... Um, especially with the events that take place before Dead Space 1, go ahead and check out Dead Space Extraction. Uh, you can buy the disc on Wii because uh, the Wii store, the Wii shop's no longer up. Um, PS3 still has it on the store, so you can play it there with the PlayStation Move. And uh, you could also, um, if you bought Dead Space 2, the collector's edition, I believe, or special edition, that also comes with Dead Space Extraction as well. So um, a lot of good Dead Space lore to check out. You know, Dead Space Downfall, the film, if you just kind of want to fill more stuff in. Um, and it all connects together really well. Um, That's kind of a telling sign of these games that are very influential, right? Because they don't just la they don't just live on one media. They branch out to spin-off movies, spin-off uh, games, uh, to mobile games, to comic books, though, or even just regular books like Halo does too. So you'll see that as a trend. Like a lot of the games we'll talk about when we're talking about them being major influencers, you'll see that there's media of them or of that universe being created in other places as well. Uh, I th and I think that's probably a good telltale sign that, Hey, somebody's kind of struck lightning, uh, 
with that and caught lightning in a bottle with an idea. Whereas nowadays people aren't making, people aren't telling you in-depth stories about PUBG or, or Fortnite, right? They're making gimmicky merchandise off of it. Not, Hey, here's more lore about this world. No, because there is no lore. They, they fucking copied someone else's game <laughs> mechanic and just sold and just sold it for everyone else. Right. Um, but that's another story, and I don't know if we'll ever have a podcast about Fortnite because I despise the, that game to <laughs> its end. But maybe eventually I'll find somebody who likes who wants to talk about that or something. Um, but that's our show this week. Thank you guys for all listening. Uh, Dead Space has definitely left its mark on the industry, as we've explained here. So let us know in the comments like what are your favorite Dead Space moments. Or um, if you're going to play it for the first time, let us know what you think about it. Um, or if you think our take is completely wrong and you love Dead Space 3 and you think Dead Space 3 is amazing, uh, please let us know about it. We're happy to hear from you. Um, you can find us on Facebook and, of course, on our webpage, forthrightgaming.com. Uh, you'll find our reviews and our other content there, too, so please check that out. And as always, please like and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Have a good one.